Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Monday. Apparently, we can't afford to retire anymore when some of us don't even want to. I find this hard to believe, but we'll get into this shortly. Uh, who the hell is Mark Middleton, and why is he still here? Ivan Major is not still here. Will Spark and TVNZ do a good job of the Rugby World Cup? Uh, there's so many questions today. Like, what the hell happened with that game's closing? It was a disaster. I stayed up last night to watch the closing ceremony of the Com Games. I really deeply hope that you guys didn't do the same. What a schmozzle. The only thing that made it worse was Peter Williams... And Jenny May Coffin trying to commentate it. At one time, in a moment of sheer awkwardness, Usain Bolt came out and pretended to DJ. And Peter Williams said, and I'm not kidding, DJ UB. Yeah, that's what happened. That's how bad it was. And from there... Well, a guy came on, a young guy, and I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, it doesn't really matter, did a poem, which I thought was quite good. But from then on, it just went from worse to worse to worse. Ordinary people singing ordinary songs that weren't their own. The kids go to bed, I'm still up. The partner goes to bed, I'm still up. I'm waiting for Johnny Farnham. I thought, surely there's got to be one recognisable singer beyond Guy Sebastian. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. There was no one there. There was just teenagers shaking cubes that glowed. I was a poor. Oh dear, that sounds terrible. Um, it, it, almost worth it if it means lots of people are using the word shamozzle today, though. Definitely. Uh, and and people walking around with glowing cubes because they've taken that sculpture down in Wellington uh, with the cubes all on top of each other to clean them. Is that where they've ended up at the at the closing ceremony of the Gold Coast Games? Probably not. And you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. So let's change the subject to uh, retirement savings. We don't have any. Why are you still working? I'm still working because of an earthquake. Ah. And my family. Nasty. <laughs> And my family um, got paid out a, a la- rather large sum, which they had to put into a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was nothing worth buying in Christchurch. And they had a couple of children that I was very fond of. So uh, they needed a secondary school because they were only intermediate at the time. And they came to Auckland. And I did miss them terribly. So um, we made the decision. They thought that um, we could swing it, which we did. And we came up here to the North Shore, um, which was fine for the first year, I think, maybe the first two years. And then cost of living got us. So I am working again. At 78. At <laughs> 78. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, you don't have um, to identify the job, the, you know where you're, where you're at. But what are you doing? 
I'm I'm restoring furniture. For somebody? No, for myself, and then I'm selling it. Did you? And I'm loving it. Did you do the rounds yesterday? You know, up, you, are you still on the shore? Yeah, yeah. Did you do the rounds yesterday in a truck or something and, and pick no, up stuff? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm so confused by that person. Uh, she, like, why wouldn't you retire as soon as you can? And also, why would you want to be closer to your grandchildren and not further away? I just don't understand what's happening. Uh, Kate Hawksby doesn't understand what's happened to Mark Milton. He's been here since he was four. And it turns out uh, he's illegal and needs to go back to England where he came from. He's also concerned about the stress of all this on his family, and I'm not surprised. Surely they've been through enough. Each year they face the parole hearing of the man who killed their child. Imagine that stress for the mother alone. Whatever the grounds for Immigration New Zealand's concerns, I can't understand why they had to barge into his place of work, make a scene and whip him off to jail. Some of our worst criminals don't even get that kind of brutal treatment. Our justice system has actually weighted very much in the favour of the rights of criminals. They are afforded far more courtesy than this. So why was this heavy-handed approach used here? How could this not have been dealt with via a phone call, an email, an after-hours visit to his home? Mark Middleton's lawyer is pleading for the government to live up to its claim to be compassionate and overturn the deportation order. He's asked Associate Immigration Minister Chris Farfoy to step in. But according to the department, due process must run its course. He has two weeks to appeal the decision, but his lawyer says deportation orders are actually hard work to overturn due to the serious nature of them. He's also now unable to work uh, due to not having a work visa, so the family's sole breadwinner is unable to provide for them. I hope for two things here. One, that this is fixed quickly, the deportation order overturned, and a lesson learned in how not to treat people. And two, that the process eventually includes an apology from Immigration New Zealand for being so unnecessarily callous and heavy-handed. It is uh, always a bit sort of black and white with immigration services, isn't it? Not just here, but around the world. Uh, For example, uh, America wouldn't let Barry Soper uh, pass through on his way to follow the Prime Minister around Europe, uh, which seemed a bit mean, because I think we're all agreed he's not a terrorist. I mean, I find him reasonably terrifying, but that's mostly just due to his manner of speech and his facial hair. It's not because I think because he's been to Iraq that he's got some kind of weird political leanings you know what I mean but anyway they said no so he didn't get to go I'm not quite sure what that has to do with this case not much Ivan Major uh, has passed away and uh, this bloke knew him I had the pleasure of living not very far from Ivan Major up until six years ago in Runaway Bay on the Gold Coast wow and I knew him back in the dare I say it late 60s, early 70s, when I was involved with motocross racing here. And Ivan was one of the most finest gentlemen, both on and off his bikes. He was always there to help people. We used to send him the old British postal orders in those days to buy gear over there that we couldn't buy here, whether it was racing attire or engine parts or whatever. And then we would meet him at Western Springs and he would deliver every single thing that he said he would. Mm. Um, and he, he was just a, an absolute icon. I guess he was the Richie McCaw of Speedway, uh, very well respected, particularly, as you said earlier on, in Europe. 
with um, former world champions, guys like Ollie Olsen, who was a, oh, yes. a key figure in the current Speedway Grand Prix scene that was down here a few years ago. And it's, it's very, very sad that a sportsman of his calibre wasn't able to enjoy the closing stages of his life. But he will be sorely missed in every corner of the globe. What's happened to Speedway in New Zealand? I was talking before to Darcy Watergrave, um, who does you know sports talk between seven and eight. And we were talking about when the World Series came down here, and it was like six or seven years ago. Um, is Speedway, and I'm talking motorcycle, sideways, round the oval Speedway, is it alive and well in New Zealand or is it a dying thing? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I clearly remember regularly attending the 2XS Speedway in uh, Palmerston North. And I'm not really into motorsport, but I used to go there. You used to try and get as close as possible so you'd end up with your face covered in mud for some reason. I don't quite know why that seemed important at the time. Uh, like I say, it was Palmerston North. Not, not a lot happening. Not, not like these days where you can, you know, watch TV online. Uh, even the whole World Cup, apparently, next year, if you want. You've been talking about a cost of, what, $100 for the tournament. Um, you think that's uh, an attractive enough price point? What are you thinking? Yeah, we've said sort of in the order of $100, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. We'll, we'll get on with that when our marketers now have an opportunity to test price points and packages and things with a range of customers and, and the sort of focus groups and things they run, but that's pretty good value given that, you know, typically one ticket to an All Blacks game would cost you more than that. So right. Well, uh, you have for, to monetise the thing. games, that's yeah. good value. You have to monetise it. So you'll have a price of 100 up, maybe more than that for the entire tournament. No, they, that's that, that's the price point we're talking about for the entire tournament package. So, uh, so. The other price points will be lower than that, and uh, and we'll have things like a, par- a price point that's just to watch a single game if uh, if some customers want to to approach it that way. Right. Weird, weird approach to this whole um, sport on TV thing. Giving customers what they want. I don't think New Zealanders will be into that, will they? Had the worried phone call from Mum last night, of course. Uh, how do I listen to it on the radio? Because uh, she's got Sky and she doesn't believe in the internet. Um, I don't know. I'm not quite sure why she's worrying about it now and it's not till next year. But anyway, I'm Glenn ZB. That has been News Talk ZB for Tuesday. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. You can listen to this on the internet. I know it's crazy.